3: Good Wednesday morning breaking news coming out of
4: Gaza as we speak. The border now open for some. It is November 1st. This is today. Yeah. Breakthrough. For the first time, injured Palestinians allowed to cross the border into Egypt. And just moments ago, Americans given the chance to escape. In the war, outrage growing over an Israeli airstrike on a refugee camp. Israel saying the target, a Hamas commander behind the October 7th attacks. We're live with the latest. Stark message, the head of the FBI, warning Americans of an increased risk of terror attacks at home.
5: Ongoing war in the Middle East has raised the threat of an attack against Americans in the United States to a whole nother level.
4: And saying anti-Semitism in this country has reached historic levels. A Cornell student arrested overnight in connection with disturbing threats against Jewish students. The details straight ahead. Bundle up. Tens of millions from the Midwest to New England facing bitter cold temperatures. Some cities even dealing with the first snow of the season. ready. not
6: ready. I'm this. This no, not at all. Yeah, no.
4: Ready or not, Al's forecast and where the records could fall today. New search. The FBI returns to the home in Idaho where four college students were brutally murdered, what they were looking for and what it means for the upcoming trial. Those stories plus touching tribute, the co-creators of Friends speaking out as they remember their friend, Matthew Perry.
3: What did you lose the day Matthew Perry died?
7: Um,
8: I lost a friend in
4: multiple ways. That emotional and exclusive conversation just ahead. And costume party. We're still buzzing from our big reveal. And with Halloween now behind us, the Queen of Christmas is declaring countdown to the most wonderful time of the year. Today, Wednesday, November 1st, 2023.
9: From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza.
4: Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. Nice to have you with us on this Wednesday morning. Ready or not. Mariah Carey says it's time for Christmas. Yes, Mariah
3: says it's time. It's time. To she's buy shattering Halloween. glass.
4: I know we will have more on that a little bit. But we got to start with this breaking news out of the Middle East this morning. Just a short time ago, ambulances were seen crossing from Gaza into egypt
3: carrying the first group of injured evacuees this comes after an israeli airstrike hit a refugee camp israel saying that strike killed a senior hamas commander but drawing condemnation for the widespread damage and casualties it caused in a densely populated area in the meantime the director of the fbi
4: is issuing a new warning this morning about security here in the u.s telling Congress the war has, quote, raised the threat of an attack against Americans in the United States to a whole other level. We've got it covered, starting with NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel in the region. For us, Richard, good morning.
10: Good morning, Savannah. Dozens of injured Palestinians are crossing into Egypt, along with hundreds of foreign passport holders, including Americans. It is a slow process, but nonetheless, a diplomatic breakthrough. Ambulances went through the Rafah border crossing this morning between Gaza and Egypt after a long-awaited deal to evacuate some sick and injured for treatment. It's being described as a first stage, and that more will follow. It comes as anger is growing after an Israeli strike devastated part of a refugee camp on the edge of Gaza City in northern Gaza. Israel said it carried out a significant strike that killed a senior Hamas leader involved in the October 7th massacre of 1,400 Israelis. In Gaza, they're calling this a massacre too. And amid the anguish are cries against the United States, which, like Israel, is rejecting calls for a ceasefire, saying it would benefit Hamas. A nearby Hamas-run hospital says dozens were killed and hundreds wounded. NBC News cannot independently verify those numbers. Shortly after the attack, most communications in Gaza were shut down. A blackout for the second time in this conflict. Israel says it's targeting Hamas leaders and that Israeli troops are now fighting deep within the Gaza Strip in street-to-street battles with Hamas militants and taking casualties. The Israeli military says at least 11 soldiers have been killed so far. Prime Minister Netanyahu this morning saying our soldiers have fallen in the most just of wars, the war for our home. The fighting is also dangerous for the some 240 Israeli hostages, including dozens of children taken by Hamas and held at least sometimes in Hamas's tunnels. One hostage is now back with her family, Private Ori Magidish, rescued by Israeli troops. While Natalie Ranon, an American teenager taken hostage by Hamas, is also back home in the Chicago area. She was freed 12 days ago. Along with this ongoing process to get foreign nationals and some injured out of Gaza, there's a renewed effort to get aid into the Gaza Strip. Savannah?
4: All right, Richard Engel leading us off. Thank you, Richard.
3: Let's move now to that stark new warning from the head of the FBI saying the escalating war has raised the threat of an attack against Americans here at home to, quote, a
1: whole other level. NBC's Stephanie Gauss joins us now with more. Hey, Steph, good morning. Hoda, good morning. The FBI director says Hamas's attack on Israel is inspiring the most significant terror threat to the U.S. since the rise of ISIS nearly a decade ago, while also urging all Americans to remain vigilant. It comes as the FBI says it has a suspect in custody in connection with violent threats made online against Jews at Cornell University. The suspect? A student himself. As Israel's war against Hamas rages on, a dire warning from FBI Director Christopher Wray.
5: The ongoing war in the Middle East has raised the threat of an attack against Americans in the United States to a whole nother level.
1: Wray telling the Senate Homeland Security Committee the FBI is concerned violent extremists will be inspired by Hamas and other foreign terrorist groups to attack Americans.
5: We assess that the actions of Hamas and its allies will serve as an inspiration, the likes of which we haven't seen since ISIS launched its so-called caliphate several years ago.
1: It comes as this morning the FBI says it now has a suspect in custody in connection with violent online threats targeting Jewish students at Cornell University. According to prosecutors, 21-year-old Patrick Dye, a junior at the Ivy League school, is facing federal charges for a series of posts, allegedly threatening to kill Jewish people at the college and shoot up a campus building. The Anti-Defamation League says it's seen a nearly 400 percent increase in reported anti-Semitic incidents compared to the same period last year, with college students frequently targeted.
5: When we are hearing from students who are saying that they are being harassed, uh, concerned about Being visibly Jewish, I think is really concerning.
1: On Tuesday, FBI Director Ray highlighted the alarming surge in anti-Semitic hate nationwide.
5: This is a threat that is uh, reaching in some ways sort of historic levels.
1: All part of his warning that threats against both American Jews and Muslims are growing, inflamed since the war began, including the killing of a six-year-old Palestinian-American child in Illinois, allegedly at the hands of his family's landlord. Ray said the FBI also arrested a man in Houston who was studying how to build bombs and posted online about his support for killing Jews. Elected officials are facing threats as well. A Las Vegas man has been charged with threatening to kill Nevada Senator Jackie Rosen, who is Jewish, after leaving a series of anti-Semitic voicemails. His lawyer did not respond to an NBC News request for comment. As for the Cornell suspect, his first court appearance is set for today. Officials at the university say they're grateful to the FBI for quote, working so swiftly to identify and apprehend him. Guys. All right.
7: Thank you, Steph.
1: Thank
4: you. Also this morning, the Senate is grappling with a sweeping new funding request from the Biden administration to greenlight billions of dollars in military aid to both Israel and Ukraine. NBC's senior Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Haake joins us with the details. Garrett, we heard from Secretary of State Blinken, the Defense Secretary, Lloyd Austin on Capitol Hill pushing for that package. What did we hear from them and where are the dividing lines here?
5: Yeah, Savannah, that's right. They appeared before a Senate committee yesterday to make their case for this sweeping $105 billion request for aid to both Ukraine and Israel. It also uh, provides money to contain China, improve border security in the U.S. And despite six interruptions from protesters calling for a ceasefire, Secretaries Austin and Blinken made their plea to a divided Congress and argued that not passing this package would ultimately embolden America's adversaries.
0: This is all one fight. And we have to respond in a way that recognizes that. If we start to peel off pieces uh, of this package, they'll see that. They'll understand that we are playing whack a mole uh, while they cooperate increasingly and pose uh, an ever greater threat to our security as well as to that of allies and partners.
5: Now, most senators, including even Republican leader Mitch McConnell, by the way, support this plan or some version of it. But it's really House Republicans who still need significant persuading, Savannah.
4: All right, Garrett Hake on Capitol Hill. will continue to watch. We are following new developments this morning at the civil fraud trial here in New York against Donald Trump, his company and two of his sons. Don Jr. is scheduled to take the stand today, followed by his brother, Eric, and next week, their sister, Ivanka and Donald Trump himself. Are expected to testify under oath. We want to turn to NBC's senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett. Laura, good morning. So guys. here you have the family members and the defendants in this case, several of them, coming and taking the witness stand. What do you expect here? And what's the importance of this testimony? So, so
11: what's unusual about this is that the attorney general who brought the case is actually calling them to the witness stand in her case in chief. Sometimes you see this, it's known as an adverse witness or even a hostile witness. And she knows they're not going to buy into her story. They think they didn't commit fraud. Obviously, but she wants to put them on the stand so that the judge who's deciding this can hear those testimonies, can hear their side of it and make a credibility determination. Before you go on, I mean, let's just make it
4: clear. People are probably used to criminal trials where a defendant cannot be forced to take the stand. It's a bedrock principle in a civil trial. A defendant can be forced to testify.
11: Can be forced to testify. And if they decided not to for whatever reason answer a question because they were worried about implicating themselves criminally, that could be used against them as a negative entrance. And that would be something to watch here because before, remember all of these people have been deposed before. And there have been times where the former president declined to answer things, times where he didn't. So we'll see what he does now that he's on the actual stand.
4: And as you mentioned, this is a bench trial. That means the judge is going to decide everything. In point of fact, the judge has already decided that the core of the case, the Trump defendants yep. are liable and It's really a question of what's the penalty going to be. So, what's the point of this testimony from the attorney general's point of view?
11: Because there's still some remaining straggler claims about false statements, insurance fraud, and also the judge does need to make a determination as to each defendant. So, is Mr. Trump liable himself? Should his kids actually face liability? They're saying they didn't know anything about the false statements on financial statements. So, perhaps the judge could actually decide some of the defendants are liable, maybe just the company and not the individuals. We'll have to see is the same judge that
4: the, the former president got into got crosswise yeah. with last week, where he was forced to the stand
11: because of threats that the judge felt. Trump was making against his law clerk. That's what's so unusual about this, is the same person who's deciding what the penalty should be, who has the ability to take away his power from his namesake company, he's also attacked him repeatedly, which the judge actually isn't taking issue with. But he is finding it problematic for him to go after the law clerk, and that's why he's fined him twice now for that.
3: All right, Laura, we'll be watching. Thank you. Let's go to Southern California now, guys, where about 4,000 people are under evacuation orders this morning due to an out-of-control wildfire burning in Riverside County. The Highland Fire has grown to nearly 2,500 acres. At least three homes have been destroyed. Thousands of others are threatened. Dry conditions and 50-mile-an-hour winds are fueling those flames.
4: All right, let's say good morning to Craig. Hey,
6: Savannah Hoda, good morning and good morning to you as well. Well, it was bound to happen. The first major cold snap of the season is impacting a large swath of the country this morning. Tens of millions waking up to bitterly low temperatures, along with ice and snow in some areas. All of it wreaking havoc on Halloween in a lot of places, forcing many trick-or-treaters to bundle up, wear those coats. We're going to get to Al's forecast in just a moment. But first, NBC's Maggie Vespa braving some chilly conditions in the Windy City Forest. Maggie, good morning to you.
12: Hey Craig, good morning. Yeah, look at this. I mean, this is like a winter wonderland. Just a reminder, this is November 1st. We have several weeks left of fall. You can see along Lake Michigan here, we have our thermometer back out uh, for the uh, cold season. It's right around 30 degrees this morning here in Chicago. And as you said, This sudden cold snap is really throwing tens of millions of Americans for a loop. Here in Chicago, we heard from some people who say it was just a few days ago. They were enjoying this, like, decently warm, sunny walk along Lake Michigan. And now they're getting hit with this early taste of winter. This morning, old man winter is clocking in early, slamming tens of millions of Americans with a brutal Arctic blast in the heart of fall. How did it
3: hit you? Uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm, I'm not,
12: not ready. ready. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm for not it ready. No, not at all. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> a rush of cold Canadian air sending temps plummeting across the South and East Coast. The startling drop, as much as 25 degrees below the average, which could shatter as many as two dozen record lows this morning this after snow slammed the midwest and great lakes tuesday in rochester slick conditions sending drivers off the road heavy snow pummeling cleveland and slowing traffic on a major highway south of chicago more than a dozen cars were involved in a pile-up crash while in the windy city snow blanketing streets within minutes even catching us off guard this just really picked up like out of nowhere in the middle of downtown This is crazy. The stakes high, of course, for Halloween. Mother Nature forcing countless trick-or-treaters to layer up their costumes with coats and hats, including this taco. I love food. A gremlin and even a lemonade vendor. The call of candy pushing them to power through.
5: Is it warm or cold outside?
9: Um, yeah, snowy.
12: We cannot believe it's snowing on Halloween. What a trip. But the spirit of the holiday living on despite the bone-chilling cold snap. That's got millions checking their calendars twice. I think it's sweet and it's getting me in the Christmas mode to tell you the truth. I love it. It's getting you in the Christmas mode. It is, even though it's Halloween today, but I'm loving it. It's a really positive outlook. Uh, And all this in mind, a good reminder for drivers this morning, uh, brutal cold like this can wreak havoc on your car's battery if you've forgotten from last winter. So this early cold snap is a good reminder to get that battery checked with more than a month left until winter, Craig, despite
3: appearances i don't know what this is
12: this is crazy 29
6: degrees in chicago (laughs) (laughs) maggie thank
3: you all right so 29 degrees in chicago last night felt cold to us here but what's happening with the forecast well we
13: can thank our canadian friends to the north good morning everybody besides bringing us bacon they're also bringing us frigid air from northern canada this is going to be driving south and just continuing to bring that cold air 170 million of us this morning have lows at or below freezing from Billings to Bismarck, down to Dallas, Cleveland, up into Burlington. We've got 80 million uh, suffering from freeze, of frost advisories, freeze watches, freeze warnings, all the way from Connecticut to Texas today. Look at these morning temperatures. 30 in Chicago, uh, uh, Maggie had 29 degrees, 45 in Houston, Raleigh 42, 43 degrees in New York City. Temperatures today... 9 degrees below average in Philadelphia at 50, 62 in Houston, Charleston 55, Tallahassee 62 degrees. Tomorrow still chilly. Boston, Pittsburgh, uh, Waco, Texas 11 degrees below average at 62. The good news is temperatures will start to moderate as we get into the weekend by Sunday at 63 here in New York City, 67 in Charleston, 57 in Chicago. However, the November outlook has the jet stream dipping down to the south in the northeast mid-Atlantic states so for the for the east it's gonna to be chilly weather for the first half of the month. But this big ridge over the west is going to make for warm weather out there. And that's your latest weather, guys.
4: All right. Oh, thank you. Still ahead, a new turn in the Idaho College murders as FBI investigators return to the scene of the crime. Miguel Almaguer on the story again for us. Hi, Miguel.
2: Good morning. It's been nearly a year since those murders in Idaho. So what evidence is there still left to preserve? We'll have answers coming up. All
3: right, Miguel, also our exclusive interview with the creators of Friends, sharing loving memories of Matthew Perry and opening up about the recent conversation they had with him. But first, this is Today on NBC. This is a big year.
7: visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
3: everyone's blood pressure just dropped about 10 points it's 7 30 we're calm there she is with Halloween in the rear view, we can exclusively say that this right here that you what you're looking at, that is the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, and she's a New Yorker. Oh. Isn't she
4: pretty a beautiful Norway spruce coming to us from the Binghamton region oh. upstate. Oh,
3: the
13: southern tier of New York. I Let's love go. it. It arrives yes. next
4: Saturday, and once it is decked out in more than 50,000
3: lights and crowned with a star, we will be there
4: for the lighting. Okay,
3: mark your calendars, guys. It's a big night, Christmas in Rockefeller Center. Here we are, Wednesday. November 29th, right here on NBC. It's going to be Very fun. It's be a lot of fun. All right. We've got a
4: lot to get to in this half hour, half hour, starting with new developments in the Idaho College murders. The yeah,
6: FBI investigators are now taking another look inside the Moscow home where four people were stabbed to death last November. NBC national correspondent Miguel
2: Almaguer joins us now with the details on this. Miguel, good morning. Craig, good morning. Investigators are finding themselves with a lot of time on their hands since Brian Koberger's original trial date got pushed back when he waived his right to a speedy trial. A judge entered a not guilty plea on his behalf back in May, and one of his former attorneys said he believes Koberger will be exonerated.
9: The doors of 1122 King Road have remained closed for months now, its windows covered in plywood after four students living in the Moscow, Idaho home were stabbed to death there almost one year ago. But this week, FBI agents are once again entering the home to get more information as the prosecution prepares for suspect Brian Koberger's long-awaited trial. The University of Idaho says investigators asked to gather documentation in the home that will help them construct visual and audio exhibits and a physical model of the home.
12: One of the reasons I think that they're trying to do this is so that they can perfectly depict to the jurors where each piece of evidence was and why the placement of that
9: evidence would be considered important. Police say they recovered a knife sheath in the bed in which Kaylee Gonzalez and Madison Mogan were found dead on the third floor of the home. Prosecutors allege that Koberger's DNA proved to be a statistical match to DNA taken from the knife sheath. Zanna Kurnodal and Ethan Chapin's bodies were found in a room on the second floor of the home. One of the two surviving roommates was in her own bedroom on the second floor around the time of the murders when she told police she saw a man in black clothes and a mask walk past her. She says she stood in shock as the man walked toward the sliding glass door leading out of the house before locking herself in her bedroom. The victim's families fought to keep the house standing until the trial is over. In a statement Tuesday, the family of Kaylee Gonzalez and the father of Zana Kornodal said they were grateful the university paused its plans to demolish it.
1: It's a huge piece of evidence. It's actually the largest piece of evidence in the trial. The
2: former FBI agent we spoke to reminded us that while it may seem odd to go back into the house after so many months, any DNA evidence collected happened a long time ago, and that's already been provided to both sides in this case. As for when this trial will actually get started, that's still an open question. Guys? It's been almost a year now. Uh, Miguel, thank you.
4: All right. Still had this morning, a good conversation with Alex Trebek's widow, Jean, and our good friend Katie Couric. They're teaming up together to help other families in the fight against cancer.
3: Plus, our exclusive interview with the creators of Friends, they're sharing some intimate memories of Matthew Perry from the very beginning of the show to their final conversation just weeks ago. We're going to hear from
0: both of them right after this. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on Auto Trader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader
11: Okay, everybody relax. This is not even a date. It's just two people going out to dinner and not having sex.
5: Sounds like a date to me. <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, another classic Chandler one liner. That was from the very first scene of Friends.
3: I don't know if you saw those names that were scribbled there on the screen. Those are the credits the show's writer and co-creators Marta Kaufman and David Crane and of course they they knew Matthew Perry very well they were by his side throughout the 10 year run of friends and yesterday I got the chance to speak with him exclusively about Matthew Perry's life his legacy and the last conversation they shared with him Marta let me just start with you um, I know you just spoke to Matthew 2 weeks ago will you just tell me what that conversation was like
8: It was great he was happy and, and chipper. He didn't seem weighed down by anything. Mm-hmm. He was in a really good place, which is why this seems so unfair.
3: It's funny, Marta, you're saying that because others who spoke to him said the same thing. He was just playing pickleball. He was on top of his game. What did you think, Marta, when you heard the news of his
8: passing? I was just in utter shock. Um, You know, my first impulse was to text him, honestly. And then deep sadness, so much sadness. It's hard to grasp, you know, one minute he's here and happy and then poof. And doing good in the world. Really doing good in the world.
3: David, he was quoted as saying that people would be shocked about his passing, but not surprised. Um, I thought that was a very poignant statement. How did that statement land with you? And how did you feel when you heard
5: the news? I would say that's probably true. Given the journey he'd been on, and we were all aware of it, Uh, there was always a part that was kind of bracing for Something like this, it is still hard to believe because he was... He was such a sort of alive Mm -hmm. person uh, that it's hard to believe he's not here.
3: Well, I think the collective pain, that was something that I wonder what he would think about in this moment. It was like losing a friend, David, for people who didn't even know him. Do you think he had any idea the impact that he had on everyday
5: people? I mean, given the response to the show in the last 30 years, I'm sure he did But at the same time, I wonder, and even knowing that, how much he was able to internalize it and and find comfort in it. Marta, reading his book was um, I know
3: it was shocking to a lot of people who didn't know him well. He wrote that he had spent more than seven million dollars attempting to get sober and visited rehab at least 15 times. He he wrote about surgeries he underwent for his addiction. He was open and honest about this journey. How aware were those closest to him about this journey he was on?
8: Very. <clears throat> Very aware. Um, Talk to him about it. Talk to him about it. Actually, right after the reunion, once he went into treatment. He was open about it, Mm -hmm. unless he was using. You talked about Um. the reunion,
3: uh, Marta, and a lot of people, I think, were concerned. Many of us hadn't seen him, you know, in a long time until he popped up there on the screen. You were in the audience while that reunion was happening. Were you concerned about him then?
8: Yes, I was concerned about him, you know, knowing that he'd been through... Everything he'd been through and every time he had surgery, they're giving him opioids for pain. And the cycle starts over again. So, yes, I was concerned about what point in the cycle he was in that moment. Well, the the
3: familial aspect of your show um has carried on all these years i was just looking at the statement from the cast of friends it says we're so utterly devastated by the loss of matthew we're more than just castmates we're family there's so much to say but now we're going to take a moment to grieve i mean family was right on matthew said it in so many words like when he came in contact with one of you guys or one of this cast of of friends it was like it was like a blood relationship david
5: Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, you you put six actors together on a show. You don't know what the chemistry between them is going to be as people, as actors. And from day one, uh, the six of them, it, it absolutely, you could tell they were going to be a family. And uh, we all were. And in 10 years, you do go through a lot. There is there's a journey on screen and off screen. And, uh, I think when we talk about Matthew, we were all very aware that our priority was supporting him.
3: Marta, you said that, um, at the friends reunion, you, you were concerned and fast forward to two weeks ago when you spoke to him, it sounded just from listening to you that you were kind of free. You were carefree about him. You felt like he was in a good place. Did you feel that way? Yes.
8: I did feel that way. I did. He seemed better than I had seen in a while. I was so thrilled to see that. He was emotionally in a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked good. He quit smoking. Do you know if he was sober at that point?
3: Yes, he was sober. So he was sober. He'd stopped smoking. He was working out. He was at a different, in a different space.
8: Yeah, he he was. He... Learned things throughout this. And what he learned more than anything is that he wants to help other addicts. And it gave him. One of his last interviews that I saw, he said,
3: I I mean, I love the Friends cast, but I don't want that to be the first reason that people remember me, David. He said, I want to be remembered for the person who helps others go down the same path where I am, kind of a path of healing.
5: That doesn't surprise me that uh, as important as the show was and continues to be, I think that that absolutely became his his purpose, his yeah. his his reason for for
3: being. Yeah. Marta, just lastly, what did you lose the day Matthew Perry died?
8: Um I lost a friend in multiple ways. And what's amazing is the outpouring from the fans who lost A friend of theirs, too. And I hope wherever he is, he feels it.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: that was a a poignant moment for them. And I think, again, just back to Marta, when she had that conversation, he had quit smoking. He was working out like all the good things. I think that's why they were so um, shocked at what happened. They thought he was kind of on his healing
4: Yeah, and so hopeful that at long last he'd have some peace and joy.
6: There are so many people, though. In fact, I talked to a friend of mine last night who has struggled mightily with addiction for most Mm -hmm. of his life. And he said one thing he always appreciated about Mm -hmm. Matthew Perry is he was so open and so vocal about the journey. and it's a
13: journey. Mm -hmm.
4: For
3: sure. And I want to say thanks again to Martha David for sharing those memories with us. I appreciate it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's beautiful.
4: Mm -hmm. Let's get a check of the weather from
13: Mr. Roper. All right, guys. We're looking at very heavy rain coming into the Pacific Northwest. Could be talking about three to five inches of rain. Rest of the country looking pretty good. Sunshine from the Southwest all the way up into the plains. However, we get into the Northeast, chillier, some snow showers around the Great Lakes, upstate New York, morning frosts and freezes through the mid-Atlantic states and a windy fire risk along the Gulf Coast. We'll be watching that. And that's your latest weather.
4: All right. Al, thank you so much. (laughs) All right. Coming up.
0: You saw us yesterday in our costumes on Pop Start, on the way. We're going to show you some of the amazing looks that we saw a host of stars wearing last night. Plus, the rom-com queen herself downstairs, the great Meg Ryan is here, along with her newest co-star, David Duchovny. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms.